Love, love, love. Love, love, love. All you need is love. Love is all you need. I probably don't have to tell you where those words come from. If you listen to that second reading from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians a few minutes ago, you may be momentarily confused and assume that these words came from Paul. But of course, you'd be incorrect. They come from John. And not the Apostle John or St. John, but John of Liverpool. John Lennon. The 1960s erupted with the Beatles singing the song... All you need is love for the very first time on one of the first live link television programs ever to be aired around the world. The song was heard by over 400 million people in 25 countries on June the 25th, 1967. Anybody remember that year? A grand proclamation by one of the great cultural icons of what has become known to us now down through the years as the summer of, yep, love. And it has been played over and over and over again ever since. And it does fit somewhat well on first read with this morning's equally well-known New Testament epistle, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13. In fact, as if following along with the Beatles' All You Need Is Love, St. Paul's epistle has been so interconnected with our modern idea of love in the English-speaking world that 1 Corinthians 13 has now become one of the most used Scripture passages in the church for Christian weddings. And I am certainly in that group because when I was working on this sermon this week, I decided to pull up the bulletin from mine and Audrey's wedding. Not that I needed to look at the bulletin. I remember every moment of that wedding. (laughs) But when I pulled up the bulletin, I found that, yep, we were in that first Corinthian club as well, having used that particular chapter 13 from first Corinthians for our wedding also. And really, why wouldn't you choose it for a Christian wedding? St. Paul puts it together so perfectly as if he were the bard himself. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So yes, sir, Mr. Lennon and Mr. McCartney, that kind of love is certainly what all of us needs. But of course, as is usually the case with two human beings, the love we pledge to each other doesn't always work out quite that perfectly, does it? As a man who myself has been through divorce, I can honestly tell you that today, as much as I talk to couples who are preparing themselves for the sacrament of marriage about love, I talk twice as much about the struggles that come within a loving relationship, the constant communication that is needed to sustain that relationship, and the very hard, hard work it takes to hold on to the vows made and the binding they try to place around the heart and the mind for a married couple. At the end of the day, as is often the case with the Bible, the bar in this scripture is being set very high on love by St. Paul. If we are honest, it might leave the majority of us actually saying, 
boy, don't I wish love was all you needed. Usually, we tend to need a whole lot more. And here may be the crux of the problem when it comes to love as it's used in the Bible. You see, when St. Paul was writing 1 Corinthians 13, he was writing in Koinean Greek, the common written language of Western and Middle Eastern world at that time 2,000 years ago. Unfortunately for John Lennon and Paul McCartney and you and me, we have to translate the words of St. Paul and the Bible into English. And in English, of course, there is only one word that we can use for all the various ideas and concepts, the joys and the sorrows of love. In the New Testament's Koinian Greek, as Mother Lisa and I were trained in seminary, and as I expect, there's more than a few of you who already know, love, as we use it in English, actually has several different words that are used to express at least four to five different understandings and definitions of that which we can only call in our own tongue love. And that's possibly why St. Paul would be quite put off, I think, to know that his 13th chapter of the first letter to the Corinthians is being read predominantly in wedding services today, both inside and outside the Christian church. Because St. Paul's use of the Greek word for love in the first letter to the Corinthians doesn't really fit that well with the kind of love we today in the 21st century tend to think about when it comes to marriage and really anything else. Of the four words found in the Jewish Apocrypha and in the Christian New Testament, which become the single word love, three out of those four actually might fit in quite well with human love in the wedding ceremony. But unfortunately, those three Greek words aren't what we find Paul using in 1 Corinthians. The first word is storge, found primarily in the fourth book of Maccabees in the Apocrypha. I'm sure all of you have read that one, right? Fourth Maccabees. And it is a word that's associated primarily with the human feeling of affection. Storge can be the affection of two people who have a lot or a little in common, which can fit with weddings. Uh, Storge can be the loving affection that a parent has for their children. All this makes storge connect quite well with the general idea of love today. But storge is also very human in the affections that it defines. So it can easily become a love that becomes an idol, idolized above everything else in life. Or a love we can cling to for reasons that might eventually become selfish and uncharitable for that which we claim to hold that deep affection for. The other two Greek words found in the New Testament could also fit the sacrament of marriage, but like storge, they're not there in 1 Corinthians either. There is the Greek word philia or philadelphia, which translates as brotherly and sisterly love of a family or a kin group. And then there is the word eros, the Greek root word, of course, for the word we all know as erotic. Eros above all others brings us in the heated passion of romantic love, which, dare I say, in our modern times is most likely the predominant kind of love in the hearts and minds of everyone attending wedding services or listening to the Beatles. Put those three words together and you definitely have a whole lot of love. 
But as I've already said, it is not storge, nor is it philia, nor eros that Paul is using for the love that we've just heard in those wonderful words and phrases that make up 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is the fourth and final Greek word translated in English as love that is in fact the word found predominantly in all of the New Testament, especially each and every time we leave the exclusive relationship that comes with humans and enter into the deeper relationship of humanity and God the Creator. That Greek word is the word agape, which I imagine many of you have heard. And it is agape that we land on with St. Paul in 1 Corinthians this morning. What St. Paul is trying to do with the word agape over and above the other Greek words of love is focus the church in Corinth on the foundational importance of an exemplary love personified not by our humanity, but by God's divine selfless love given freely for all of us in creation. Paul is holding up God's penetrating agape love to remind the greater body those who are being transformed and saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that there is a sincere expectation that they too will put that selfless love of God for creation at the center of everything that they're involved in, in the church as well as in the greater world. That's the love Paul proclaims is above everything else and unlike everything else will never cease or pass away as all of the gifts of the Spirit might and as our body will. And brothers and sisters, as beautiful as this use of the word agape is, that deeper divine meaning is what makes it such a hard word to wrap our hearts and our minds around when we translate that great and deep, meaningful Greek word simply into our English word, love. In fact, you may be surprised to know that because the English word love has always seemed to not be able to carry the full weight Paul intended, love was actually not the first English word used in the earliest translation of the Greek Bible into English. Because of this, there's actually a very good chance that had you gone to a wedding any time before the 1800s, you might have never heard 1 Corinthians read at a wedding at all. You see, in 1611, in the King James Version of the Bible, the version of Christian Scripture used almost exclusively in the English-speaking world for nearly 300 years. The word agape in 1 Corinthians is actually translated as charity. The King James Version of the Bible in English reads like this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Charity suffereth long and is kind, Charity envieth not. Charity is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. I have to tell you, I have to wonder maybe that if it would not be that translation that dear old St. Paul would choose if he suddenly found 
his apostolic self standing here with us in the 21st century, hearing over again Mr. Lennon and Mr. McCartney, along with George and Ringo and a whole slew of folks in 60s attire, singing the words of all you need is love. Not that he wouldn't like the music or the melody, but he might be worried that the language with only one word for something so immense and earth-shaking as divine love might need something else that could be more revealing, more mentally and spiritually challenging. Maybe even like a simple word as charity, a word that tends to mean that which is given to another without expectation of a repayment that which is offered for the purpose of assisting and rebuilding and restoring the receiver who is so much in need. Or maybe St. Paul would like John Lennon's older English compatriot, C.S. Lewis, who used the term in his wonderful book, The Four Loves, gift love as another way to redefine the simple English word of love when found in the New Testament. You see, what St. Paul wanted the church in Corinth to understand, and really what he still wants the entire church universal to pick up on and bind itself to right now, is that above everything else in our human life, that which will inevitably fade away, even the love we share for each other, God's agape love, God's loving gift of charity, God's totally divine love for a creation formed in his own image is the only thing that will truly ever abide. In fact, only if we ourselves can start working our way toward putting some portion of God's selflessness, God's love, enduring charity in the forefront of our life, to be transformed ourselves completely by it into that which we were created to be, only then with the remaining components of human love, our affections, our brotherly, sisterly commitments, our passions, and our romances, only through the greater love will the human love fall into place and flower leading us to eternal life, life that will even cut down and destroy death. I think that if we could understand that vision of love, then and only then, Would St. Paul give us a thumbs up for reading this morning's passage for his first letter to the Corinthians, not only at all of our Christian weddings, but also at every baptism, at every confirmation, at all of our funerals, and at everything that falls in the church in between. For it is God's agape, God's divine love, God's charitable gift love, that in our world, brothers and sisters, is the only love that is what the world so desperately needs. Can we grab hold of that love? Can we let it transform us and open up the love we have for one another? That's the wish of God through the church for all of us. It's all we need, agape.